And uh, what a great week we had at uh, General Council down in Orlando. And uh, we've been gone for about 11 days. And we came back and I said to someone, I felt like I got dropped on a treadmill that was already moving. And so <laughs> you just kind of pick up where you left off and you go flying. But uh, so, so, I don't know what the word is, but um, just so overwhelmed or so happy, if you will, uh, at the, the, the current state of our fellowship and uh, our leaders and the heart that our leaders have uh, for our churches, for our people. And some of the things that we heard, some of the teachings that were shared, if you didn't have a chance to watch any of those online, we're gonna be sharing some of those as we go through the fall um, in our Sunday school classes and at different times, we're gonna watch some of those videos, some of those teachings, some powerful uh, teachings from Christine Kane. Uh, Dave Reaver shared a message that uh, just, Dave Reaver style just penetrates the heart. And uh, man, just a great week. Uh, Carrie Job led worship one night, and then the next morning, um, General or John Ashcroft, former Attorney General, led us in in a hymn sing from Isaiah chapter fifty three, verse five. And so, just a wide gamut of uh, stuff. And of course, the interesting thing is, is there are there's Facebook pages. Um, for Assemblies of God people, there's like an under 40 ministers Facebook page and a Assemblies of God theology page and then there's a conservative Assemblies of God something page that by the way I got rejected for. They, they said I, I wouldn't fit in that group and, and so <laughs> I was very disappointed but I feel like it's the Lord's will and it would have just caused me turmoil. So, um, but there's all these different groups and it's interesting that you know after like the Carrie Job thing, then one group is like, oh, why do we have to have lights and why do we have to have the dark and why do we and after John Ashcroft, one group is and it's like, you know, why can't we just worship the Lord? I mean, you know, when John Ashcroft led worship, I worshiped. When Carrie Job led worship, I worshiped and neither of them are my favorite. In fact, none of, none of my favorites were there. It's like the presence of God wasn't even there because none of my favorite singers were there this time. No, it's just, we've got to get to the point where we grow up and put away the toys. And I don't care who's leading and I don't care how good or bad they are. Um, I'm gonna worship God. And if they sing off key or play wrong notes, I'm gonna worship God. And they're not gonna distract me or deter me because I need him. And it's my choice. It's my choice, but I don't know the words. Who cares? Sing in the spirit. It's biblical. Lift your hands and sing in the spirit. All right, praise God. You're gonna have to catch up, okay? Or at least get a little bit excited today because I got enough excitement for all of us, but uh, I wanna share some of it with you. This series has been in my heart for uh, several months and uh, really just, kind of came to light even more as we were away this week and just God confirmed a lot of things through things that we heard and things that he shared. And uh, I literally, during the, the Carrie Job worship time, um, man, the Lord just spoke so much. And so I had to sit down and write down the things he was saying to me and uh, then just got back up and worshiped again. And so someone gave me some practical advice one time that you know your giftings, when you worship the Lord, your giftings come alive. And there are times during worship where I will like get these thoughts about, you know, teachings or sermons or scripture will really just come alive in my mind and I'll be like, man, that's what that means. And I used to be like, man, stop it. I'm trying to worship the Lord. Get behind me, Satan. And uh, someone told me once, they're like, dude, that's your gift. Just being, the spirit brings that out. He's like, sit down and write it down. Like, it's not unspiritual to sit down during worship and make notes about what the Lord is saying. And if your gift is like accounting, 
Where's Justin? He's not in, he went to teach children. And, and the Lord gives you an idea, write it down. And then get back up and thank him for the idea and worship. Like sometimes we, we try to over-spiritualize things and we don't realize that God is doing something and we, you know, blame the devil or something. So um, there you go. Um, the series that we're, we're going into called Put Away the Toys um, it's about growing up. It's about choosing to mature in our faith. It's about growing in our faith. It's about literally drawing a line in the sand and saying, uh, I'm not going back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move forward. And then it's drawing another line and I'm moving forward and I'm, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And my circumstances, my feelings, none of that matters. It's a choice daily to move forward. You know, nothing can separate me from God's love or his will for my life. My spouse can't, my kids can't, my job can't, you can't, no demon in hell can't. It's my choice to continue to walk in what God has for me, or it's my choice to sit and sulk. You know, David planned to bring the presence of God back, and then Monday morning, you know, when there, nobody's leading us in worship, David realized, man, it didn't work out the way I had hoped. And I am so grateful that David didn't just sit in the castle and just sulk for the rest of his life. But David got in the word and said, I want the presence of God. And yeah, that was costly, and I, but I gotta figure this thing out. And I just won't quit until the presence of God is back in Jerusalem. I just won't quit until what this book says is a reality in my life, in my family, in my job, in this city. And if a generation can get a hold of this and just say, you know what? It's time to put away the toys. It's time to put childish ways behind us. Time to stop throwing temper tantrums. It's time to stop sleeping in. It's time to stop waiting for someone else to do it for me. And it's just time for me to choose. Amen. There's a book by Eugene Peterson that's called Perseverance. Perseverance. Eugene Peterson is the man that translated the message version of the Bible. He wrote a book called Perseverance, uh, probably 20 to 30 years ago, and he just republished uh, it, but it, he didn't make any changes to it. And uh, he said, you know, I was, gonna, I was planning to make a lot of changes, but I realized I didn't need to make any changes. And that's not a proud statement, because the book is called Perseverance, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Long obedience in the same direction. Most of us don't ever get where we want to go because we just quit. I mean, we keep looking for the right seminar, the right book, the right teaching, the right pastor, the right this, the right that. I mean, man, if we just did this worship song, boom, revival would happen. Man, maybe we bring back Mercy Seat, where it was a charity that sang Mercy Seat that started the Brownsville Revival. Maybe we, if we just did that, we'd have revival. No, what we need is just the persevering spirit to say, you know what? I'm just gonna go long obedience here in the same direction. I am not gonna turn back. That's what we need. Amen, I'll help you. So that's what this book is all about. It's about perseverance. And it's a look at the Psalms of Ascent. If you know what the Psalms of Ascent are, Psalm chapter 120 through 134 are titled the Psalms of Ascent. What they were is there are 15 Psalms 
that the, the Jews would sing on their way to Jerusalem as they ascended to Jerusalem. And three times a year, the Bible teaches us that good Hebrews would trek to Jerusalem. And during that trek, during those travels, they would sing these Psalms of Ascent. And now they're written down for us and they're in the middle of the Psalms. And if you don't pay attention to the footnotes, you might not even know that they're, they're grouped together or they're put together, but that's what they are. And we're gonna look each week at one of those Psalms and they're gonna help us to grow up in our faith. In fact, every one of our titles is just going to be one word. And so today, if you want to put down the word discipleship or the word growth or the word maturity, any, you pick the title today. You pick. Discipleship, growth, or maturity. It's one of those three. Whichever one is your, your favorite, go ahead and put it down. But there are three feasts in Exodus 23, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is not the same as Passover. Passover is the day before the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then for a week they celebrate this feast. Then there's the Feast of Harvest, or the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost. All three names are the same feast. That's another time that the Jews would travel to Jerusalem, and they would... Uh, sing these songs and they'd go to the Lord because that's where the Lord was. Then the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of the Final Harvest. And as you look at those three feasts, you cannot help but understand how the Bible is such a complete book. The Passover was where Jesus was crucified for us. Pentecost was where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And there is coming a final harvest, an ingathering. These three feasts are the three feasts that the people of Israel are supposed to gather around every single year. Passover, we gather around the cross, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit empowers us every day to live out what Jesus did for us, and then there's a final harvest that's about to come. This is a complete book, okay? This isn't just some good ideas. This has been put together by the Lord for us, and we need to study it and understand it. So as you look at Jerusalem, Jerusalem, where it is in Palestine, is literally the highest point. So when you go to Jerusalem, you go up to Jerusalem. Literally. So the Psalms of Ascent are as we ascend or go up in elevation toward Jerusalem. I used to always get concerned when I went to Trinity for the first time from Pennsylvania that people there talked weird. Um, they would go up to Aber. And uh, Aberdeen is south, so you don't go up south. Okay, you go down to Aber. So people would come up to me and be like, we're going up to Aber, you want to go with? And I literally would sit there and be like, what? You're going down to Aberdeen, would I like to come along? You can't end on a preposition anyway, so with is, with me, with us, finish your sentence, and it would drive me nuts, and then eventually I just embraced it, and I went up to Aber with too, and so <laughs> it's just what we do, and so literally it meant to ascend, but metaphorically this ascent to Jerusalem was supposed to mean more than just literally climbing higher geographically. This is supposed to be our lives, living out our lives, ascending to the hill of the Lord, continually going after, climbing after him. You gotta remember, Jerusalem was the place where the presence of God dwelled. He wasn't everywhere. There was no Holy Spirit. The whole, God did not dwell with you up in the Galilee region. He dwelled in the temple in Jerusalem. And so you went there to encounter the Lord. But thank God for the cross that made it able for the Holy Spirit to now live inside of us. And I don't have to travel anywhere, but I tell you what, I still have to ascend. I still have to make a choice to encounter the Lord. I can live as boring of a Christian life as I want, or I can live a, as an exciting, God-filled life as I want. 
The choice is up to me whether I will ascend to the hill of the Lord or not. Whether I will invite him into my life, my daily life through my choices and decisions, or whether I will just reject him. So I could be a Jew that just says, hey, why do I need to go to Jerusalem? I got a synagogue right here. Or I could be a Christian today that says, you know, I don't, no need to get too excited. I'll just have a little bit of Christianity in my life, just enough to maybe get me into the, the pearly gates and that's all. And that's kind of the, what we'll be looking at over these next couple of weeks as we go through uh, these psalms. And so today, as we look at this discipleship, as we look at maturing in Christ, as we look at, as I've already talked about, putting these childish ways behind us, the Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And I would even say this, when I put away childish things, I grew up. I mean, there's a lot of 20-somethings today that uh, they talk about this delayed adolescence where, you know, you're in your 20s and you're still not growing up. You're, well, you know, I don't really want to get married or settle down. I don't really want to have a, a, a lot of responsibility. I mean, I still want to play video games all night long and, you know, let it be what it is. But, you know, you got to make a choice someday to just grow up. And just because you're 30 years old doesn't mean you've grown up. It's how we act. It's when we start making grown-up choices. It's when I stop sleeping in and, and I actually go to work on time and I actually put in a day's work that I'm growing up. And some people grow up at 12 years old and some people are probably 45 and still haven't grown up. And so this maturing in faith, I don't care if you've been saved 50 years, you may not have grown up at all. You may still be a spiritual baby. And that's not okay. It's time to grow in the Lord, amen? If you put this verse in context, which is always a good thing to do, <clears throat> it says in verse 13, or in verse eight of 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. <clears throat> Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, <clears throat> even as I am fully known. So Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts that the Spirit provides for us so that as believers we can grow in our faith. And he's talking about a time when those gifts are gonna cease. When does that happen? The context of this verse, this passage tells us <clears throat> that there's gonna come a perfection, there's gonna come a completeness, there's gonna come a time when I as a person no longer need to grow or be edified or be built up in my faith. Why? Because I am going to know fully. The scripture tells us when we see Jesus, we will know fully. What happens is we always think, man, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask Jesus this and I'm gonna ask Jesus this and I'm gonna ask Jesus this. Well, what the Bible teaches us is when you look at him face to face, you're just going to know. It's just all going to come together. Why? Because you're gonna have a new body. It's not gonna be the sinful nature that you've been carrying around all these years. You're gonna have a glorified body that's gonna be able to get stuff that down here we weren't able to get. And in just that moment, just that instant, we're gonna be full, we're gonna know fully 
Does that mean that there's, there's no new facets of God that we'll never understand or see? No, because God is beyond us. And even in our perfect glorified state, he will still continue to be beyond us. Okay, we will still be the created ones. But there is a sense that we are gonna come to know things fully. But these gifts have been given to us in this life so that we can go into maturity. Even though our full maturity will not happen until we see Jesus face to face, I am taught throughout the scripture to use these gifts of the spirit, to use the word of God, to mature in the faith. Paul says, stir up the gift that's in you. Stir it up. It's not about, oh man, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and I've spoken tongues, good for you. That's not given to you as a proof, that's given to you as a resource. Are you using it for why it was given to you? Are you using it to grow up and build up yourself in your faith? I hope so. I hope daily you pray in the spirit to build up your inner man. You don't even know what you're praying for. You don't even know what's going on on the inside of you, but there's a strengthening. For some of you, the reason that you're, you're continually failing and can, I can't beat this thing, start praying in the spirit. Build your spirit man and watch yourself be able to grow. Now you still need to be in the word, you still need to pray in English, you still need to do that, but that's the resource that was given to us. That's what Paul is explaining here. You want to grow up? Then just choose to put childish ways behind you and grow up. In James chapter 1, James says, Brothers and sisters, when troubles of, of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. What does this passage say has to grow in order for us to be perfect? Endurance. Our endurance has to grow. What's endurance? Endurance is when I want this and there's something in my way that I have to get through in order to get where I need to go. That's endurance. And if you're not enduring, if you're not facing hardship, if you're not going through trials or tribulations, your endurance is not growing. If you're just coming to church every week and hey, man, life, this is, this is a breeze. If your Christian life is a breeze, you're not doing it right. I'll just tell you that. Because you're gonna be facing opposition from your flesh. You're going to be facing opposition from the world around you. You are going to be facing opposition from everywhere. So if your life is just clear sailing all the time, I'm not just saying right now in this moment, but hey, this Christian life thing is easy. Come and talk. Because chances are you're not, you've not quite grasped what it means to, to kill yourself and take up your cross and follow him. Okay, that's the life of following after Christ. In fact, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, I didn't get this on the screen, but here's what it says. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Pastor, I don't know what to do, man. My life is just falling apart. First of all, nothing strange is happening to you, Okay. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you put a big bullseye on you that said, I'm going against everything this world stands for. And so you've become a target. And you're gonna face hardship. But here's the thing, you've been given everything you need 
for life and godliness. You've been given it. Now, I wish that meant tomorrow morning we would all wake up, oh, feeling good, ready to go, yeah. But we're not. Some of us are gonna wake up depressed. Some are gonna wake up lonely. Some of us are gonna wake up tired. Some of us are gonna wake up happy. Some of us are gonna wake up sad. Some of us are just gonna wake up mad at the world and we don't know why. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter how I wake up. It matters how I respond. And I have been given the spirit of God to respond the right way even though my circumstances and feelings tell me something completely different. Even though everyone around me is nagging on me or calling me names or picking on me. uh, I mean, I can either sit in the castle and sulk or I can say, God, I'm coming after you. And -and so-and-so is not gonna stop me. That problem at work is not gonna stop me. That bill that's overwhelming, looming right there is not gonna stop me. I'm coming after you. That's what it means to grow up, to bear up under these circumstances. Peter, or Hebrews tells us from the message version, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans are cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Think about that for just a second. He not only began your race, he has finished it for you also. (laughs) Isn't that just so freeing? I mean, it's not how perfect I can do it tomorrow. He's already finished it. And so I'm just gonna give my meager best as I go after him. And he's going to come alongside and empower me to do even better than I could have possibly done without him. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Oh, but he was the son of God. God is in you. God is in you. Everything he did, you have the capability of doing because he is in you. It's just learning how to do it. And don't get this guilt trip that, oh, why can't I just do it? Just do it. But I just messed up. Start now. I just messed up. Start now. I messed up again. Start now. Just keep pressing in. He never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. I mean, isn't that great? Cross, shame, whatever. And if you go on, it's fin- he goes on to say later, this isn't on there, you haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I mean, yeah, you face, you're facing trials. You're in the midst of a dog fight right now. But can I tell you something? You haven't shed your blood. And that's supposed to encourage us. <laughs> I don't know if it encourages you, but that's what Hebrews thought. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long list of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. That sounds a lot like emotionalism. Nope, it's spiritual adrenaline. And some days you just need a shot of it. Amen? The other passage of scripture is from Hebrews chapter five because I put two on the first screen if you noticed. 
You might not have thought we would ever get to the other one, but here we are. There is much more we would like to say about this. Stop there. There is much more. It doesn't even matter what he has already said. Okay, he's taught them about the Sabbath rest and he's tied the Old Testament, New Testament together. It's really cool what he's done in Hebrews chapter one through four. What's important is there's a whole lot more where that came from. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. (laughs) Now, I don't know how big this guy's church was, but if I got up here and the first thing I said to you was, guys, I want to give you so much more, but you are spiritually dull and you don't listen. I don't know how many of you would come back next week. But that's what he says. You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Why? Because you're not doing them. It's not that you don't think you understand them and so you need someone to teach you, but you need someone to teach you because you are not doing them. I don't care if you can quote every verse in the Bible, if you are not putting it into practice, you don't know it. And so you're a spiritual baby. Discipleship is not how much of the word you have memorized, it's how much of the word we are living. That's the maturity of my life. Not how many truths I can unpack for you, but how much my life shows it. That's whether I'm growing up. I I don't want to be a baby who needs milk and cannot eat solid food. Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for the mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. See, we're going to have as much as we want. We're going to receive as much as we ask for, as much as we seek for, and as much as we knock for. And so if you're content with what you've got, you're content with milk and the baby Christian life that you've been living, keep living it. But if the Spirit of God inside of you is saying, you know what, there is so much more, we have yet to even scratch the surface of this thing. It's time to grow up. It's time to sit up to the table and be a mature adult. It's time to say, you know what, I'm not getting fed anymore. It's time to start feeding yourself. It's interesting, people that aren't getting fed anymore usually are people that aren't feeding themselves and aren't putting into practice what the Word of God says. In our day, there's this assumption that we should be able to acquire things immediately. We have lost the art of discipline. We have lost the art of delayed gratification. We no longer see the value in working hard to possess something. We want it instantly. We want it now. And that is tied over into Christianity. It's tied over into the church. And what happens is we assume that our maturity or my Christian life is just going to happen instantaneously or miraculously. That I just need to get the right person to pray for me and I'm going to get rid of this thing. This thing that's plaguing me, this, this besetting sin, this troubling attitude, this whatever. And that's not how it works. I mean, I believe God can instantaneously and miraculously deliver us <clears throat> from anything. But the Christian life is about just one day after another putting into practice what the Word says. 
And even people that have been set free and delivered from alcoholism don't say, you know what, I just go in the bar every day and I sit there and I watch people drink. I don't want to drink any, but I'm going to go to... No, they still take precautions to make sure that they don't fall back into that old habit. And so we, we just think, if I just get the next person to pray for me, or if I just, you know, Pastor, that was such a great word today, tomorrow I'm really going to go after the Lord. And we wake up Monday morning, and the reality of Monday morning doesn't match Sunday morning's intensity. And you know what we do? We just say, well, man, Uzzah died. He touched the cart. The presence isn't here. Man, I really thought this time it was going to work. No, what you need to do is look in the mirror and say, you know what? I feel like I just got hit by a truck, and my emotions are just going, but today, God has still overcome. And so today, I will do my best to just put one foot in front of the other. God, give me grace today to do it. And then you just start doing it. And sometimes it may look terrible, and you might think, man, I hope people aren't watching me. But you'd be surprised at what the Spirit of God will help us do if we ask for it. Jesus told the parable of the rocky soil. Remember those that received the word on Sunday morning and got all excited about it, and it sprang up quickly? How many of you are going to draw a line in the sand and follow after the Lord? Yeah! And they sprang up quickly, and then soon trials and tribulations come, or cares and anxieties, and all of a sudden that word gets choked out or scorched out, and there's no fruit. How many of you know that's the American Christian life, the majority of it? People getting excited on Sunday, and then on Monday are like, God, where are you? And Peter says, don't be surprised that you've just faced this today. Why, why are you surprised? As if there's something strange is happening to you. This is what you signed up for. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I've given you my spirit. Everything you need is within you. I have given you everything for life and godliness. Let's go. And now I wish that emotionally, all of a sudden, you just got this surge of energy and were able to do it. Sometimes it's a, just a grind. And as you start to grind it out and just do the right thing, all of a sudden, your emotions can catch up to where you are. It may take a week, it may take a month, it may take a year or more, but you just keep moving. Too many of us in the American church claim to be born again, but discipleship is lacking in our lives. We have made the Christian life about the next retreat, the next conference, the next book, the next speaker. If I could just get some word, if I could just get, I just, what I need is, I just need something new. I mean, I've tried this and it doesn't work and I've tried this and it doesn't work. This works every time. You just have to keep working it. And I know it's hard. I have been there. I have been in times in my life where I'm just like, God, I want to quit with everything in me I want to quit. Give me a relentless spirit that just won't quit. And days when you just have to fake it enough until you get through that day or that week or that month. And you just keep moving. The problem is our culture's in a hurry. We fill our lives with so much. Lord, I, I don't have a lot of time today, so I've got 15 minutes for you. Can you do it in 15 minutes? And if that's how we're gonna live, it's probably not gonna work. I mean, I'm not saying God can't do it in five minutes, 
I mean, if we start surrendering our whole lives to him and we pray without ceasing and we really live like this, we'd just be in it all the time. And so we wouldn't need like 20 minutes of worship to kind of get ourselves into this and ready. I mean, if we just came and did it. Those of you that were here for this morning's prayer time, you notice that we, we waited a long time and one person let out. And then we waited a long time and one person let out. And then finally I said, you know what? And I didn't do this. This wasn't my idea. This was, this was Karen's idea. I said, okay, everybody, we're just gonna go around the circle and everyone's gonna pray something. Whatever you feel like you want God to do in the service today, do it. And do you notice that we, we did more in that like five minutes than we would have done in like a half hour of just, would someone just please pray? Are you catching that? You just, you gotta start and just start doing it. And you'll find that as we start putting into practice what the word tells us to do, it works. Hey, who knew I had the answers all along? But we want, uh, could, Pastor, could you just give me a quick fix? I mean, give me a scripture that's just gonna be my catch-all for today. Or, you know, could, doctor, could you just write me a prescription for whatever it is that's just gonna make this all go away? And not, nothing wrong with prescriptions, nothing wrong with any of these other things, but Guys, it's just long obedience in the same direction. It's just perseverance. It's just developing endurance. You know what? My, this, this happened to me this week. My life is all a wreck. I am so not surprised, but I just need you to pray with me and agree that I'm gonna make it through this. That's a whole lot different than, Pastor, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What should I do? The level of faith that says, this is overwhelming to me right now, but I know God has given me everything I need for it. Would you agree with me that I will overcome? That's a whole lot different, isn't it? That's how we've got to start seeing everything. I love it when people put stuff like that on Facebook and they're like, you know what? Today I'm overwhelmed. Pray for me that I get better. I love that. Because they recognize, you know what? I need to get better. This isn't okay. I can't be in this moment of despair. I can't just sit here and sulk that the ark didn't make it. Because I look over where the ark is and it's in Obed-Edom's house and Obed-Edom is getting blessed. That's my blessing. That's what David realized. He looked over there and said, you know what? That guy's getting blessed. I knew there was something to this. I want that thing. I want the presence of God in Jerusalem. And he began to study how to do it. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1. Wow, the time is flying. I have not been paying attention. I've been going on rabbit trails. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, everything we need for living a godly nice comes through our knowledge of God. Put these things into practice. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you're gonna be. Write that down, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. Read through that this week because I wanna go to one last scripture in Matthew chapter 14 because this illustrates it so perfectly. In Matthew chapter 14, the disciples are in the boat. They're struggling. Peter, or, or Jesus comes walking to them on the water and Peter says, after the Lord says, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? This is such a great picture of this idea that we have everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. 
we've got to just make sure that when the Lord says come, we come. So we're reading along in the Bible, and the Bible says, forgive your enemies. Forgive those that hurt you. Forgive those that hurt me. The moment you read in the scripture, forgive those who hurt me, the word of the Lord has, just like he said to Peter, come, walk on the water. God says, forgive those who hurt you. Immediately, you have now been given the grace and the power to forgive anyone who has ever hurt you. That's in you. Everything you need. Because if God would tell you to do something that he would not enable you to do, that would be outside of the character of God. He has now given us the ability to do it. And so we will step out and start walking on the water just like Peter. I'm going to forgive people. I've been given the power to forgive people. When the Lord says, love your enemies, same thing. When he says, stop telling lies. When he says, don't look at a woman lustfully. He has given you everything you need to do it. You can immediately begin to step out of the boat and start walking on the water. And like Peter, many of us do. But just like Peter, what do we do? Well, the wind and the waves haven't stopped. I mean, you told me to forgive them, but... I still feel this pain in my heart. So you, I, I must need you to do something. No, you keep walking on the water, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you let the wind and the waves be what they need, they, they need to be. This is how we do it. This is how we live out our life. When God says do something, he says I'm giving you the grace to do it. Call on me. Say, God, I need the grace. God, those wind and waves are very big, but I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. I'm gonna keep walking toward you. Lord, my feelings are saying something. Lord, my circumstances, you told me to love my enemies. They're treating me worse, God. I see the waves are there in my peripheral, but I'm not gonna look at them. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna believe what you said. You told me to do this. You've empowered me to do it. Here I come. And that's endurance. The nice thing is, is every once in a while, we're still gonna get it wrong and we're gonna start sinking and we're gonna be like, Lord, save us! And he doesn't stand over there and lecture us and be like, you know, there's a scripture verse for you. <laughs> Do you ever have one of those people? That whenever you go to them and you're like, I am such a mess, and they're like, you know, there's a scripture verse for you. Jesus first reaches out and he helps him. He reaches down to where he is in that mess. He gets him back on solid ground. And then he says, Peter, why did you doubt me? Peter, trust me. I gave you the power to walk on water. Did you think because I gave you the power to walk on water, the wind and waves were going to stop? That's what we think our Christian life is going to be. If you just respond to the altar today, the wind and waves in your life are about to stop. No, they're probably gonna get bigger. But you're gonna walk on them because you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. It's our choice, that long obedience in the same direction. Jesus says to Peter, why did you doubt, Peter? Why did you start looking at your circumstance? Why did you start letting your feelings guide you? Trust me and just keep persevering in me. Jeremiah chapter 12, one of my favorite passages of scripture says, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? You know what that means? That means wherever you are right now, God has something 
bigger, greater, more for you. But if you let the race that you're in right now wear you out, you're never gonna get to experience the more that he has. He has given you everything you need. You don't have to buck up. You just have to go to him. You have to start trusting him. You have to start yielding to him. If you wanna cling to your life and then just try to add biblical principles in, this isn't gonna work. This is an all-in surrender to him, trusting him. You told me to come, I'm gonna come. The wind and the waves got bigger, but here I come. It's about drawing a line in the sand and realizing that we just need to make a choice and follow him, amen? Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for the cross. Man, we do not fully understand the cross. We can't fully understand what you did through that. But we are so grateful for it. We are grateful that you were willing to send your son to this earth to take our penalty. Jesus, we are grateful that you were willing to come to this earth and to set aside the rights and privileges as God and to come and to give your life as a sacrifice for us. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to empower us, to give us everything that we need for life and godliness by reminding us of everything that you taught, by showing us the truth in your word and what is to come, by just strengthening us, by praying through us when we don't know how we should pray for giving us the ability to do things that defy our natural reasoning. Thank you for the spirit that you've given to us. Father, forgive us for remaining infants in our faith. Holy Spirit, we hear your call to grow, to grow up in our faith. It's time to start waking ourselves up. It's time to start laying aside everything that's hindering us in this race and really begin to come after you with everything. It's time to stop singing songs that we don't live. It's time to stop quoting scriptures that we don't put into practice. It's time to draw a line in the sand and move forward in you. And over these weeks and these months ahead, as we study these Psalms together, Holy Spirit, give us the grace that we need to put these things into practice. Give us the grace that we need to endure and to allow our endurance to continue to grow and be strengthened in our lives. Holy Spirit, help us to put into practice these truths today and to respond to you I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to be prayed for, I know I said that you know you don't need to be prayed for. It doesn't. If you want someone to agree in prayer with you today before you leave, say, I'm just really struggling with this. Please 
come to the front. Let us pray with you. We'd love to take that opportunity. If you want to spend some time at the altars and pray alone, we give you the opportunity to do that. You're free to do that. Um, If you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that either want to receive prayer or want to spend some time in prayer. God bless you as you go.